How's everybody doing? Good. All right. Like, it's always this side of the room. They're happier. I don't know. I sit over here too. Like this is. If I haven't met you yet, I'm Daryl Holden. I'm one of the pastors here. Really glad to be with you this weekend. Um, let me start by, those of you who've been around the last couple weeks, you know that we have been um, taking an offering for West Africa, an international displaced people's camp that burned there. We have um, friends who are on the ground in person and uh, ministering in Jesus' name at that camp all the time, year round. And uh, this is a great opportunity for us to help them as they show and share Jesus' love. So we've talked about that for a couple weeks. So um, I wanna let you know that we needed $53,750 to rebuild all the huts that were burned down. So the last two weeks, um, 243 households from Christ Community that we know about, and some of you just put cash in the boxes so we don't know, but 243 households that we know about gave $118,000. Yeah. So just a couple things about that. First of all, thank you guys. Um, thank you for, if you, if you heard the messages and um, you went before the Lord and asked him what you were supposed to do and you did what he said, uh, whether it was nothing, a lot, or a little, if you, if you followed the Lord in that, way to go. Um, that's the kind of obedience that we're looking for together as a church. Uh, for me, it was just incredibly blessed by that. This is a little aside, there's, um, all pastors have a thing on their bucket list. And uh, there's this offering that was taken in the Old Testament for the tabernacle where the leader, Moses, finally had to look at the people and say, y'all stop giving. Um, like this is a bucket list for me. Y'all stop giving to this West Africa thing, all right? Um, not to the church, not to missions, but to this particular fund, y'all stop giving to this. So um, what, what this did for us and really did for our friends in West Africa so Steve Warnemont, who's our director of operations and also helps lead our global missions team here at the church. Uh, Friday morning, we had a phone call with our friends who are in West Africa. We had a Zoom call with them and it was awesome. Um, they, we, we called them because we needed, you know, we're sending the 53,750 immediately so that they can get that, but they didn't know um, what had happened yet. They knew that we were gonna send the 53,750 and um, I just, I got to smile and say, well, there's more. And uh, when we told them what the number was, it, it was, uh, I wish you could see their faces. I wish we had videoed that Zoom call, the, the blessing. Um, one of the guys said, he said, you know, we're over here and we feel like we're out of sight and kind of out of sight, out of mind in a lot of different ways. And for, for a church to respond to a need that they're in the middle of, they, they felt, seen and loved and cared for and resourced. And so just a huge blessing to our friends who are there as they minister in Jesus' name and administer these funds. And we're gonna keep the rest of the money over the 53,750, and I'm bad at math, so I don't, 60-something, I guess. We're gonna keep that in our West Africa fund, and timing of the overgiving was really good as well. Um, they had... Our team in West Africa had pulled back to a safe location and they were having a retreat. And the part of the team that ministers at this IDP camp, one of the things that they had been challenged by their leadership was how do we transition from relief to development? And, and so they've spent the week kind of starting to think and pray about what 
development looks like going forward because many of the people who are at the camp, they told us would be there for seven years. And so it takes that long. So there's a lot of work that can be done, not just to make sure that they have food and shelter, but that they can move forward in some ways. And so they're starting to, they're starting to pray and dream about what development looks like. And we were able to say, hey, we're, we're with you. In, like, we're with you in whatever development looks like. And this money is set aside for that. So we're gonna continue as a church to walk alongside them as they begin to, to lean into what development for that IDP camp looks like. So they asked for a couple things. And the first thing they asked for, and they asked for it quickly, was prayer. And uh, so, of course, you know, we're, we're praying for them and you'll pray for them. But one of the things we're gonna do here in the next couple of weeks is we're gonna set aside a day that will be a day of prayer for, for wisdom and for vision and for what the future should look like for this IDP camp. So, so keep an eye out on email and on our communication stuff. They're gonna be praying that same day that we're gonna be praying and so we're gonna make a thing about it as a church. And I'm really excited for that day. You don't have to wait to that day to start praying for this thing. Um, you can start today, but we're gonna have a day together where we pray over it. The other thing they asked for was people. We have, um, we have one couple from our church that spends a significant time of each year um, over there in, in that part of West Africa. And um, they asked us if there might be more people who are willing to, to come and spend time there. So I just kind of plant that seed with you. Um, 243 families that we know about, 243 households, $118,000. And um, I, was the, I was thinking through the verses that we talked about on that, what you guys have given will result in more and more thanksgiving to the Lord. So um, thanks for doing what the Lord said. Can I pray over that offering and pray for us? Would you guys bow your head and close your eyes with me? So Lord, um, I'm really grateful for what you have stirred up here and how that is going to bear fruit clear on the other side of the world. Thank you for how it has just blown wind into the sails of our friends who are there. They've, they could live the same kind of life most of us do here, and they have chosen to move themselves and their families to a place that's much harder to live so that people can come to know you. And we honor them for that, and so that we could be an encouragement, a blessing to them. Thanks for that privilege. And thank you for the relief and the development that's gonna come, and all of this, Jesus, is gonna come in your name. And so, for those who are, those who are being helped by these things, um, we, we ask that, that more and more of them would see you as their savior, their rescuer, um, the one who loves them and cares for them, and provides for them for eternity for sure, but also in this life. You have, you have come that they could have life to its fullest extent, Jesus, and, and we're experiencing that and we want other people to experience it too. So we're really grateful that we get to be part of these kinds of things. Thank you that you have included us in your work. And Jesus, we pray this in your name, amen. Whew, all right, got through that. Um, so this is, the, uh, this is the last weekend that we're going to do our verified series. We have hit, this will be the last week we've talked about the major themes through this second Corinthians, not every verse, not every chapter, but the major themes in this letter. And so we're wrapping it all up today with the idea of when I'm weak, that's when Jesus can be strong. And I really appreciate what Whitney said introducing this message. I think this is gonna be transformational for so many of us. 
So 2 Corinthians chapter 12, kind of starting midway through verse five, I wanna read verses five through 11 for us and then talk through a few things with you. I think it'll be really encouraging. So the Apostle Paul's writing these words and he says this, he says, I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I'd be speaking the truth but I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, messenger from Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and in insults in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. So this section of the letter as it kind of wraps up here is one scholar has called it um, the fool's speech. And chapter 11 starts with the Apostle Paul writing the words, he says, you know, I hope you'll put up with a little foolishness from me. In these verses that we just read, he talks about how, you know, I'm not a fool. And you go a little farther into chapter 12 and he talks about, you know, bear with me in this foolishness. And so, so this thing has this title, this fool's speech. So what's going on here, if you were with us last week, we talked about this a little bit just by way of review and to orient you if you missed that one. So there are really, there are three parties involved in this section of the letter. So there's there's the Apostle Paul, and we, just, we call him the plain old Apostle Paul because he came and planted this church at Corinth. He was the first one who introduced these people to Jesus, and he loves them. He's a spiritual father to them. And so, so plain old Apostle Paul, and then after he left town to go plant another church in a different place, this other group of people showed up, and they call themselves super apostles. And, and they came in with, you know, arrogant and boastful, and they came in with, with like, strength and flattering speech and... And so, and they call themselves super apostles, like they, they consider themselves to be above the apostle Paul and other people who'd call themselves apostles. So you got plain old apostle Paul, super apostles, whatever their names are, and then, and then the church at Corinth. And church at Corinth was just regular people like you and me, and they were following Jesus and this other group came in and they are impressive. And, and they had, the, the super apostles had a great deal of influence over this Corinthian church. And, and so, this church at Corinth, some of them had even been led into this posturing, this bragging, this, this impressive nature. And, and so what's happening here in this fool's speech, the apostle Paul is, he's mimicking what the super apostles do. And so he begins to, like he's talking about himself and about his background and about what the Lord has said to him and done for him and things that he has seen but all through it, he's making sure that we know he's mimicking these super apostles and he keeps referencing this idea of being a fool and what he's, what he's doing is he's saying, hey, I'm being a fool just so for your sake, these guys are fools. And so he, he makes sure that they're understanding that this super apostle bragging, posturing, trying to be impressive so that somehow you'll think I'm better and for you know Jesus, Paul's like, he says that, that is foolishness. And then he turns this whole conversation about being impressive and about being strong, he turns it on his head 
on its head. And he, he says, you know what? If, if I'm gonna brag, if I'm gonna posture, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna make sure people know something about me, what I wanna make sure they know about me is where I'm weak. Because I've learned that it is in my weaknesses that Christ shows up and grants me his strength. So it's not my strength, like the super apostles run in, it's the strength of Jesus where I want to, where I want to live and what I want to minister from. And so I want us to talk about this idea of, of when I'm weak, then I'm strong. But the little outcome in these verses that has really, it's really caught my attention as I've prepared for our time together this weekend, it's there in verse five. And he, he writes these words, he said, he's, it's the outcome. So, so that Christ's power may rest on me. So I, just, I think this is amazing. Thought that, that the power of Jesus would rest on me. And there's just something comforting to me to think about the power of Christ, especially in, in weakness, that the power of Christ would rest on me. And just that, that visual of, of being in a situation, being in a circumstance where where I know I don't have what it takes, but, but I've gotta stand and do this thing, and I don't have what it takes, just that visual of this divine power from heaven coming and resting on and in me, so that, so that I now, not I have what it takes, but so that I've been given what it takes to to endure what he talks about in the words, you know, insults and persecution that the way other people are treating me sometimes or, or hardships, difficulties of life that, that, when, that when I'm weak and don't have what it takes to do what is required, that this divine power would just, just come rest on me. I, really, I love that picture of that. The image actually comes out of the Old Testament, this idea of, of resting on. And it, it comes from the Exodus when God's people left Egypt and they went through the Red Sea, the 10 plagues, if you remember that story, if you grew up in church. And they, they set up this, it's this big camp, because there's all these people, they set up this big camp and they, they built this thing called the Tabernacle. And, and it was where, God dwelt in their midst and they got the tabernacle built and God came down and his, his presence, his glory filled that tabernacle and, and God rested with his people is what the scripture says. And so, you know, the image for me is like, I, I have this campsite that is just littered with, with you know, insecurity and it's littered with insults and it's littered with, it's littered with difficulties. And some of them I've created for myself and some of them other people have created for me and I've got this, just this place that's just littered with all of this and, and Jesus comes and moves into my campsite. Not, not just to be with me. I mean, he does come just to, to be with me but not just to be with me, to come and give me what I need to to make it through, to endure for, for what I'm experiencing for me to be able to get through that, that, this, this, that Christ's power may rest on me. And so, so what I wanna do today is I, just, I wanna talk to you just a little bit about, you know, as we think about Christ's power resting on us, 
want to think about like, what is this really? And what would that look like in my life? And then how could I experience that? So if we could just kind of walk through these things together. And so the first thing, what, is, what does this mean for me? Again, with the, the divine power coming to rest on me, Jesus, my messy campsite and him coming to, it, it really means that his unlimited power moves into my mess. That, that, that the unlimited power of Jesus, it's resurrection power, it's like overcomes our greatest enemy. So anything that stands in the way of you and me, he has already defeated, that, that the unlimited power of Jesus would move into my mess, not just to dwell in it, but to clean it up. And so whatever that looks like for you, his unlimited power could move into your mess. Whatever it is when you, when you look at your life and you're thinking about, I've got, I've got this, I've got this, here's where I'm weak. Here's where the way somebody else is treating me, here's where the circumstances of life are, are weighing on me in such a way that, that my knees are buckling. Like I, just, I don't have it, my knees are buckling. His unlimited power will move into that to be with you and to bear you up so that, so that you have what it takes to do what he's calling you to do in that. So, so that's Christ's power resting on us. That's really what that means. Second question that I have for this is what would that be like? So what would that be like? And to, um, just to think through it together, what, what I did was I went back through this entire letter and just kind of made my way through and and we talked about some of these things in this series, some of them we haven't, but, but here's, here's what Christ's power resting on me, resting on you, could look like. So it starts in chapter one, verses three through five with receiving comfort. And those are some of my favorite verses in this entire letter. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has comforted us in all our difficulties so that we can comfort other people with the comfort that we've received from him. And, and so this, in the circumstances that are buckling your knees, that you would have divine comfort. So we all, we all seek comfort when when things are hard, and some of the ways we seek comfort are healthy, and some of them are very unhealthy for us. But if you're looking to yourself or looking to another person for comfort, that's always going to fall short. And you have this offer from the Lord Himself, His His unlimited power to to come be with you in the midst of whatever it is that is buckling your knees, and He will comfort you in that, and not only comfort you but comfort you in such a way that you will have comfort to offer to other people in days ahead. That's what his divine power resting on you could look like. Being rescued, chapter one talks about that. Being rescued from these circumstances, that whether it's something somebody else is doing to you, a mess that you have made for yourself, just something about the world that we live in, we have a God who rescues. He, he steps in to circumstances where it looks like I'm just gonna have to be in this mess until, or there is no hope and there is no way out. God has, he has a long track record of stepping into those kind of circumstances and wrapping his arm around his child and walking him right out of there. And so this, this divine power resting on you could actually be rescue 
from whatever circumstances it is that you're facing. It could be ability to forgive. Chapter two talks about that. We have this amazing ministry here at Christ Community. I don't know if you know about it, it's called Divorce Care. And each time through, I get to go and talk with the people who are part of this class about forgiveness. And man, I, I love getting to go be with a group of people who are, who are processing one of life's greatest hurts with other people before the Lord, under his leadership, under his guidance, and to talk with them about forgiving one of the most difficult things that anybody has ever done. And, and this is the kind of ability that Christ gives to his people. And to see people in that room just shaking their head, knowing they're not there yet, but knowing that like, yep, I'm gonna be looking to Jesus to, to give me what I need in order to do this. Those, they're heroes in that room and their willingness to say yes to what God's gonna do to them. And, and some of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about because you've, you've had to forgive really hard stuff. And you know that you didn't do it. Like it didn't come from you. It came, it came from Jesus that his, his strength rested on you so that you were able to forgive somebody else for something they had done for you or able to forgive yourself for something that you had done to you. And so this ability to forgive, Christ's spirit resting on you so that you could forgive somebody, I mean, you could be equal to the task that's in front of you. Maybe you have some kind of opportunity or something that's new for you. Maybe it's something in your family. Maybe it's something at work. Maybe it's a new friendship that you're trying to figure out. Okay, God, where are you at work in this? Or you know where God's at work in this and you're trying to figure out how do I have what it takes to lean into this, maybe it's a new ministry opportunity, maybe it's something we talk about, some people going to West Africa, and you think, how in the world could I ever do something like that? And Christ's power rests on his people so that they are equal to the task that he has in front of them. And so divine power resting on you might look like you being equal to the task. It might look like having hope, being free, in the, in the middle of something that looks like I'm just going to be wrapped up, I'm in bondage here, there's no way I'm gonna get loose from this, and in the difficulty and the darkness of that circumstance that you would find hope, not that's from you, not hope that the human spirit, but hope that comes from God himself, divine power resting on you, that you would have hope, and in that hope you would begin to experience freedom, that could be divine power that God would minister to you when you're, when you're in your darkest moment, and the weight of the world is buckling your knees, you could find hope and you could find freedom from that. It could be endurance. It could be the ability just to hang on and to stand. Because sometimes that is the most important thing. Maybe it's in the face of temptation. Maybe it's in the face of insults and persecution for, for your faith, for who you are in Jesus. It could be something else totally different, something that's important for you and for your family. But in the moment, that God would, God would give you for however long that lasts. He would give you the ability to stand in the heat, to stand in the wind, to stand. That, that that would be his gift to you. His power would allow you to endure. One of my favorite sections of this letter is chapter six. And I was reading this thinking about our friends in West Africa who said it's really nice that somebody sees us, you know? It's chapter six, starting in verse, I don't know, seven or eight, and runs down through, but not, verses nine and 10. Christ's power 
even though you are unseen by so many around you, still you're known by your heavenly Father. And even though the circumstances that you are enduring make you, he talks about great sadness, but in that great sadness, always rejoicing. And in deep poverty, making many people rich and having nothing yet possessing everything. And, and the divine ability in the worst case scenarios to, to, to be known and to rejoice and to be able to minister God's goodness to other people and to see what you have in Jesus and his strength and recognize these things I do not have, but in this I have everything. Divine power, the strength rests on us to be able to be richly generous in difficult circumstances. This is that, um, that exemplary church that was our example in excelling in the grace of giving the Macedonians in their deep poverty, the extreme affliction, deep poverty and extreme affliction welled up within them so that they were richly generous. Deep poverty and great affliction, apart from the power of God, do not well up into rich generosity. They, they, they sink into something else. But divine power resting on you, resting on us, could look like rich generosity. And always, always, it includes strengthening others. Because the stuff, that, the stuff that you're facing, the stuff that you're going through, the stuff that has you buckled in the moment, somebody else is gonna get the opportunity to be encouraged and be blessed by you if you'll be weak in the moment so that Christ can be strong. And so, and so what, what does it look like? This is what it looks like for, for me to be weak, for Christ to be strong, for his power to rest on me. All these things, all these things, for, for you, for me, for us together. We, this could be our experience. This could be our experience, that, that in our weakness, Christ would be strong, which leads to the final question for our time together. How do I experience this power resting on me? How do I experience this power resting on me? And this, I think this first question, this is probably the most important question of this weekend. Whose power do you trust? You know, whose power do I trust? Just came through a lot of sports watching and there's, there's a commercial that takes the word impossible and makes it I'm possible. And on the one hand, I appreciate the encouragement and cheering people on. But on the other hand, if that's, if that's the best you've got, if that's the best I've got, it is, it is a far cry from what we need. And, and whose power do you trust? These super apostles, they thought because they were physically impressive and because they were smartest guys in the room and because they had just the right words, just the right moment, poem at the end of the message that had everybody in tears. Like, that's the kind of stuff they were trusting. And, and whose power do you trust? Are you looking at yourself and are you looking deep into yourself and saying, you know, somewhere in here, I've gotta, I've gotta figure this out, I gotta bootstrap my way through this, I'm just, I'm, I'm gonna do this. Because if you're, if you're trusting yourself, even though you know, like, all right, my knees are buckling, but somewhere within me, I've gotta figure this out, 
you're, you, don't, you won't have what it takes. You just won't have what it takes. On our own, we can make it through a few things. We can, we can muddle through some stuff on our own. We're strong enough to maybe do a few things, but if, if, you, want to, if you want to experience victory, if you, want to, if you want to experience the kind of stuff that was in that last set of slides, if you want to experience that, whose power do you trust? And, and I think this idea of, of Christ's power resting on me, I'm trusting him. You know, I, I, I'm trusting him. As best I'm able, I'm trusting him. And so what that looks like, that looks like for you and for me, just a real intentional welcoming Jesus into your mess. If you haven't, if you haven't welcomed him into the mess yet, to invite him into that, to welcome him into that, tell him you want him there with you, that you, that you want his presence, you want his power in your life, that you, would, that you would seek him to be part of this deal with you. And in this, you've gotta know what kind, of, what kind of God he is. He's a God who comes to the messes. You know, he's, he's not a God who looks at you and says, hey, you gotta figure this out. Once you get, once you get the campsite cleaned up, I'll come live with you. That's not, that's not who he is, that's not what he's like, thankfully. You, if you don't have it figured out, like those are the people that he's running to. When, when you know that I don't have what it takes, I need some help, Jesus, I'm welcoming you into this mess he gladly comes to that mess, not just to sit with you in it, but to help you have his kind of victory through it. And so to welcome him into that mess, I think it's a really important thing. Second piece of this is, is to ask him for what you want. This, this is prayer in the midst of suffering. Ask him until he answers. I am, I am really encouraged when Paul's writing about, he says he has so we didn't read it, he has this incredible vision of heaven. And he saw things in that vision, like God let him see some stuff that nobody else has seen and told him he couldn't talk about it, but let him experience it and to keep him from getting arrogant about that. Because he was, you know, he's constantly battling these guys who are arrogant about different things. So to keep Paul from getting arrogant about that, he has a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. So he's in this, the spiritual torment is going on in his life and there are pages and pages, pages and pages of what this thorn in the flesh was and the end of all that is we don't know but it was, it was tough on him and he says three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me and he's, he stayed in front of the Lord asking him for what he wanted. Paul was asking, the, like he wanted this thorn gone from him. He stayed in front of the Lord until the Lord spoke. And I think that's an example for you and for me in the midst of suffering, in the midst of pain and weakness when life's buckling our knees, that, that you could get in front of the Lord and ask him for what you want. I pleaded for the Lord to take this away from me, ask him for what you want, and wait until he speaks. And he'll say something to you. If you'll get in front of him and if you'll stay in front of him and you'll listen to him, he'll speak to you. It'll take a while maybe, but he, but he will. He'll speak to you in that mess and stay in front of him until you hear what he says. And when he speaks into and speaks over and tells you about something, there's so much life and there's so much hope in that even if you don't hear what you want. Because instead of hearing, yes, let me remove this thorn from you, what he heard was, hey, you get to keep it, man. <laughs> you get to keep this thorn because it makes you weak and in 
in your weakness, I'll be strong. I'll give you what you need. My grace is sufficient for you. In your weakness, I'll be strong. And so to stay with him until he speaks, one of the people that Marie and I really look up to is a lady named Johnny Erickson Tata. She's written a ton of things. If you haven't read anything she's written, just grab one of them. It'd be great, encouraging to you. So when she was 13 years old, she dove headfirst into a lake, broke her spine somewhere, quadriplegic, and has lived with a great deal of pain and difficulty her, her entire life. And the Lord has, like, she has just trusted him in that. And she was in middle age, she was middle age, and was continuing to ask the Lord for his healing for her so that she could get out of the chair, she could use her arms, she could use her legs. And he spoke to her and told her that he's using her and he's using this. And, and in the book that she writes about that and the paragraph that she writes that out, just that he would speak into and speak over that meant everything for her. In the midst of all that suffering and difficulty, I'm telling you, if you'll stay in front of the Lord until he speaks, he'll speak to you and when he tells you what, what's up, he'll, it'll be good, it'll be helpful for you. And then the last little piece of this is to embrace his purposes to embrace his purposes. He, he may tell you exactly what he's thinking and exactly why you're facing this. He may not. But I can, I can tell you from the scriptures and from the lives of Christian people through the generations, God does not waste suffering. Whether well, insults, persecutions, difficulties, hardships, God does not waste suffering in your life. The hard things that you and I do, have to do, have to stand in front of, it, never, it does not go to waste. At a minimum, he uses it to refine you. If you've ever spent time with somebody who has suffered greatly, you know that that, that suffering just knocks the fluff off of you. There's, there's not a lot of, of cotton candy and you know, goofiness in people who have suffered greatly. They've, they've suffered before the Lord and received his strength and all of that. These are deep people that you wanna know and you wanna spend time with. And... He always uses what you are receiving him through to minister to someone else. So he will, he will redeem, and one of my good friends talks about how God over-redeems. He doesn't just redeem by ministering to you, meeting your need, being weak where you're strong. He uses you in somebody else's life, and so embrace God's purposes in the midst of all of this for you, and, and his great power will rest upon you. I wanna wrap this up just for a minute. Here's what Jesus said to Paul, and, and these are living words. So they weren't just to him, they're to you. My grace is sufficient. Like present tense, right now, for whatever you're going through, my grace is enough. My grace is plenty for you. Personalize that. My grace is plenty for you because my power is made perfect in your weakness. And so you and I get to be people who, who can embrace our weakness, who, who don't have to let our weakness hold us back, but it's something we can lean into and walk into and, and know that where we are weak, he will be strong. So the strength of Christ, power of Christ, can rest on you and it can rest on me. So I wanna pray that for us. Would you please bow your head and close your eyes with me?
Heavenly Father, thank you for being a God who runs to our messes, that you're, you're not distant from them, you don't make us clean them up. Thank you for coming to us. Thank you for your great power that is, that is available for us, your unlimited power that can be ours. Thinking of what Jesus said, in this world we will have trouble, but we do not have to lose heart, Jesus, because you have overcome the world. And so we too get to be overcomers. I pray for myself, I pray for my friends who are in this room where we're weak. Would you help us learn to be okay with that? Learn to embrace your strength, your power, see your kind of results in our lives and in the lives of the people that you minister to through us. It's a great privilege. So thank you that your grace is always sufficient, that your power is always on display in our weakness. That's what we want, Jesus. We pray these things in your name, amen.